Hey there, it's The Real Deal with Camille, true stories of life as an entrepreneur. I'm Camille Diaz, and I'm an optimization coach. I teach entrepreneurs how to achieve their goals, streamline their business, and regain their life. In this podcast, my guests and I share real stories from our real-life experiences. We use our authentic voices, which sometimes include explicit language. If that's not going to work for you, tap out now. Erica Andreessen is a recovering lawyer after nearly two decades in both the corporate finance world and the military. Erica became a subject matter expert on national security and disaster preparedness response while advising different commands and also during high-risk situations in Afghanistan. Her work with actual disasters led her to attain a Master of Public Affairs. Erica left active duty in 2020 and has since started EAAS Consulting LLC with the goal of keeping businesses in business. To that end, she authored How How to Not Kill Your Business, Grow Your Business in Any Environment, Navigate Volatility, and Successfully Recover When Things Go Wrong, a conversational introduction to business continuity enjoyed by CBCP practitioners and business owners alike. Erica is also a professor of emergency management for the MPA program at the University of Texas at El Paso. She has been quoted extensively in articles for Forbes, Dark Reading, Smartsheet, and Money Geek on the issues of business continuity and disaster preparedness. I loved chatting with Erica about how she has always followed her path, even when it didn't make sense to anyone else. Not many people would quit their job, join the military, and take a $70,000 pay cut to follow their calling, but that's exactly what she did. Listen all the way through the end of this episode because some of the insights she shares right towards the end are super, super valuable, and this was a fantastic conversation. Erica, I was so excited when we first talked, uh, when you shared your story with me and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to put this on the podcast because it was so different. Uh, Not a lot of people choose to take a $70,000 pay cut. Tell us what's up with that. How'd you get started? Jeez. Well, good morning, Camille. Good morning to your listeners uh, (laughs) or whatever time of day it is for y'all. So I started off she had a hard time deciding I wanted to be a lawyer. And everyone's like, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer. So I decided to go to law school. Um, and then I was concentrating on film financing. I loved that. I'm like, oh, I get to do a super niche because you'll learn later. I like niche. I assume super niche area of entertainment law. And yeah. when I got out of law school, I did not know that that was an industry that was meant for rich people and their rich parents and rich kids because they don't want to pay you. It's a glamour industry. So you had to um, know someone to get a job and also you would expect to either not be paid or be paid a pittance and I was like yeah no I I live with my parents I don't want to change I want to change that so um, <laughs> I was like well I'm not going to take the uh, entertainment law jobs are offered to me so I decided to go to corporate law uh, and I didn't I was never attached to the money everyone's like oh you're never going to walk away from the money I'm like money doesn't mean that much to me honestly it helps you wanted to get paid money. enough to not have to live with your parents, but you were yes. concerned about making like massive lawyer dollars. Correct. Correct. Because okay. I'd moved out when I was in college and I moved back in um, when I was in law school. So I took a corporate law job and I found a way to like it. I, on a scale of one to 10, the work was probably uh, 
six satisfaction level, mm-hmm. but the pay was like a 12 because, <laughs> and I saw like every hour that I build, I was able to take my parents out to dinner or buy them a cruise or pay for a new Cole Haan bag I wanted. Like, so I saw there's rewards to everything. And then um, that was in the early 2000s. And then the world economy collapsed. And I was helping defend the banks that were the cause of that. And oh. I didn't really, yeah, no, no. That sounds painful. Not, like how, where would your satisfaction level go from a six to a what? Well, all right. So <laughs> once the world economy collapsed, these banks didn't have the money to pay their normal salaries anymore. So then the lawyers had to take a pay cut. Most people don't realize that happened. Mm-hmm. And of course, the partners are going to pass down their pay cut to the lower ranked people. So mm-hmm. on a scale of one to 10, my pay was now down to a five and my work was a, in the integers. It was like a minus three. <laughs> and at the same time, I started, I'd met somebody who was in the military. He was a, a veteran. He wasn't currently in the military, but he's like, hey, there's this USO event. Why don't you come to me, come with me too? And I was like, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. And then I got invited to a whole bunch of these other events. One of my coworkers, she was like, hey, I saw this advertisement for um, becoming an AVA accredited attorney to help veterans have their claims have been denied. Fight it. And it's a free training. And since you're going to all these USO things lately, like you might be interested. I'm like, I'm very interested. So I did this training. You had to do 50 hours of pro bono work for a veteran in return for the free training. And then it was the first time in my life I felt my law degree was used for something useful. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more like that. And I decided um, because I felt dirty charging veterans and I needed to not live with my parents, right? <laughs> it was not going <laughs> right. to happen, especially in my uh, late 20s. Yeah. early 30s so I decided to join the military and uh, do it every day as a veteran myself so I left corporate law to, to be an active duty JAG officer and that was the first time I started well probably not the first time in my life but the first real significant time in my path to entrepreneurship that I did something that made 100% sense to me that made other people like uh, $70,000 pay cut okay that's significant I'm like I'll be fine and I was <laughs> Yeah, it is very significant. Uh, I think a lot of times what people don't think about as you're on that path to entrepreneurship, because clearly you're thinking like an entrepreneur, you're like, I want to make a difference. I want to do stuff that's important. I don't want to just get paid for people that I don't even think are doing the right thing. Right. (laughs) Um, That's kind of leading down that way. And a lot of people don't understand that mindset. They're not looking for the quality and the satisfaction. They're looking for, I need a paycheck so I can go home and do fun things. And that's right. it. Right. Yeah. And that's where I was in the beginning, but I also knew I wasn't attached to the money, right. which is funny because after the amount of time I spent in the military and the civilian equivalent, because they pay for your, um, basically your rent and sure. whatever, based on your zip code. So my last duty station was just outside of Boston. I had a significant amount of money they were giving me and my rent was about $2,200 less than they were giving me. So I pocketed all that, paid off my student loans and then, you know, was going on really lavish vacations because I had no debt. It was amazing. And there was another turning point. Um, I decided I wanted to leave the security. I was, you know, in the military basically 10 years at that point. Did you have to do all the training and stuff when you started? Like, did you have to go through all that? Yeah. So for um, direct commissionees, because I was going to be an officer coming in and I'm a specialty branch, they send us to JAG school, which is about three months. So you learn military specific law and a whole bunch of different areas. And then um, which includes criminal law and administrative law and uh, operational law, which is like national security, wartime law. Mm -hmm. Um, 
then you do six weeks of what we call baby basic. So like going to Fort Benning, which is now called Fort Moore. They just changed it this week because it was Confederate uh-huh. uh, named thing. So they just changed it this week. And it's the home of the infantry. So I had a, you know, ruck march with my, um, my big weapon and uh, do marksmanship and all this other stuff that they're like, what are lawyers doing this for? But it's what everybody in the military has to do. So they give us six weeks of that. And then you do a lot of on-the-job training when it comes to the legal stuff because they're always changing your job every six months to two years, never uh-huh. mind moving you every two years to three years. So they want you to become what they call a broadly skilled judge advocate. <clears throat> so I started off in what was basically the equivalent of legal aid, helping soldiers with some, you know, like civil type of stuff. Then I wanted to um, being uh, someone who did claims for the military. Then I did trial counsel, which is uh, what everybody thinks of a JAG. And they say, oh, a few good men, the court yeah. martial type of stuff where I was prosecuting um, domestic violence, fraud, rape, child porn, a whole bunch of really not pleasant things. And mm-hmm. then then I did, when I got moved, I went to do operational law and I got to go to Afghanistan to actually do that. And then I moved again. I did that for two years. And then I moved again to be an ethics counselor uh, to a general for three years. Wow. That's... Yeah. So I was, I was, you know, coming to a point where I was like, am I going to get promoted? And like, what am I going to do? So I started thinking, do I want to go to business school and get an MBA? Because I, I had the idea to start my business in 2016 when I was in Afghanistan. I was mm-hmm. finishing up an MPA program because, you know, I need more letters after my name than I already had. And, um, <laughs> everyone needs more letters after their name (laughs) right right and I I'd fallen into because I was given a one-off duty it was supposed to be a one-off duty and when I was stationed in Missouri Mm -hmm. to attend the emergency operations center be their legal advisor and they go it's no big deal you attend one meeting a quarter well not unless there's a a state of emergency because there's flooding in the whole entire area so I got my crash course into emergency management that way and I really really liked it and I was like this is awesome yeah. And I decided to get an MPA to enhance that. And then um, while I was finishing up my coursework on some of the, the few down hours I had when I was in Afghanistan, because you're either working or you're not. Like there's no, people are like, so did you go off base? Did you go hiking? I'm like, where did you think I was? Like I'm in Helmand province is one of the deadliest areas of, of Afghanistan. I did not take a vehicle to go to meetings. I was flown in Blackhawk to go to other bases because it was too dangerous to drive. Like, right, right. You know, um, so you're not I just going to be wandering around town, like no, hanging no. out. I was, shopping. Like, hey, you, I was like, oh, do you need a good kebab there? I'm like, are you, what? I'm just going to go hang out. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. The villagers love us. They welcome. No, no. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're an officer. Sure. So, you know, that's going to, you know, play well, you know. And I'm a female. Yeah. And that too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So I was reading an article on um, businesses who suffered through Superstorm Sandy, and they were all asked the same question. The final question being, what are you doing to prepare for next time? And almost every single one of them said, oh, this isn't going to happen again. And I was like, you are so wrong. And you need to pay someone money to tell you how wrong you are, because like it's it's sad how they're I'm like. This the the answer to the test is easy. You just need to be told like, wow. Right. And they already know, like. And I love how you put that because you said you need to pay someone to tell you how wrong you are because they won't listen unless they've paid money to have someone like you tell them this will happen again. Something like this will happen again. What are you doing to be ready? Nothing. Okay. Let's fix that. And and the funny thing too is as people, okay, well, 
I'll tell you the funny thing about being a lawyer. Everybody thinks that people listen to lawyers. They pay lawyers a lot of money, but nobody listens to lawyers 100% of the time because they think they know better. Of course. And it's like, you know, <clears throat> even in the military, I would give advice to the general on the yeah. bombs we were dropping. And sometimes, most of the times he would take my advice and sometimes he would not. But mm -hmm. that was an assumption of risk. And when you assume a risk, you're either fine because it's an assumption of a risk, right? Mm -hmm. Or if something goes wrong because it's been documented that you were told something, you decided to go against it, then you get in trouble. So you're only getting in trouble if something goes wrong. And that's what a lot of people wind up doing, assuming a risk. It's like, I'll be fine. It's not going to happen again next time. So, you know. Yeah, they just, eh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's not, I, I think it's not going to happen. So we're good. Right, right. Oh my and gosh. Then, I, I have this so opposite view. And maybe it's because I I also do financial services and life insurance mm -hmm. in my other business. So like I think about this stuff a lot. Um, but I, I have the view of if you prepare everything, then nothing will happen. Right. Like that's right. my philosophy. If I have everything ready for a disaster, yeah. no disaster will fall upon me. But if I'm what? not ready, it's going to rain down. Right. But also think about like when you do estate planning, right? Yeah. So you have people who have, if you have your will done and you have your healthcare proxy done, you're not in a shit storm when yes. things go wrong. Like you yes. like the most stressful time you could be having at that moment is made a lot less stressful by the fact it's already been taken care of. Right. And right. you can function and things happen yeah. and it's not slowed down. And, you know, it's not made worse by the fact that you're all like, Oh, what do I do now? I, I right. don't know. Your I'm family knows out. what to think. do. They, right. Everything is, they can find the stuff. Like I've told my right. kids, I'm like, you see that binder up there? That's the binder with the stuff. You get that and everything's in there. And then you call those people and they'll help you. And like, right. yeah, they know those things. Um, yeah. And I think most people don't, don't do that. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, people like you and me do, I see it as an investment and, and I'm betting on myself. I will bet on myself to succeed all day, every day. And I'm going to do everything to enhance that. So yeah, I, I, that's right. All right. And some people think that way and some people don't. The people who don't, I'm like, you are the ones who are most at risk. And it's not like I'm trying to chide you and be, you know, paternalistic, but I'm like, you've put so much effort into your business. Let me help you. Let you succeed. Let me empower you, please. I'm I'm not trying to be the hero here. You are. You're the hero of your own company if yeah. you do this stuff. Yes. So, yeah, I had, so I got the idea in 2016, but I couldn't do anything about it because that was active duty and I, right. it, I'm not allowed to. So right. then when I was thinking, like, I'm like, all right, normally most military officers at the 10 year mark, because you're either doing a full 20 or not. That's the time where it's like, all right, are we doing 10 more years of this or not? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I joined late. I was 31 when I joined. So I was a corporate lawyer for like six, seven years first. And then moving around every two, three years as an adult single female, it, it's harder to make friends as you're an adult. And right. then it's also harder to date when you're telling the person like, well, so I might move in a year or two. And they're like, well, I'm not moving for you because men don't move for women. Like that just is not a thing. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I'm not yeah. leaving my job. I'm not moving, you know, exactly. 1500 miles away. Yeah. yeah. Not doing it. So I wanted more control of my personal life. So that was really the thing that tipped the scale on me mm -hmm. getting out. So I put in my paperwork January 2020 because I had to put it in a minimum of six months early mm -hmm. before I wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. um, did not know a pandemic was happening. Yeah. What do you know? Right. I don't think anybody in January knew. I had lots of plans in January too. <laughs> well, you know, some people did. Uh, they, they did a um, emergency management exercise based on a pandemic coming in the latter half of, 20, of 19, 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think people should be paying attention to what um, the big exercises are going on. Yeah. And like, How do we oh, get that testing. list? <laughs> 
Google the hell is the list? Send me the send me the list of who's practicing for what disasters, and I'll start preparing for those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was leaving for an in-house. What I I wanted to do, I was like in-house tech. That's what I want because I work yeah. nine to five. I can make a lot of money, and it'll help me retire to where I want to retire to. And nice. I thought because I wanted, I love Tahoe and I love skiing and I love lakes and mountains. So I'm like, I want to go as close there as possible. So let me go to Silicon Valley and work there. Uh, I was from a certain company promised a job and they said, all right, give us like two or three months notice because we can't hold your job for more than six weeks when you're about when you're actually free to work and mm -hmm. then we'll, we'll work. It. So I was like, OK, so I'm going on my merry life. I'm in New Zealand at the first 10 days of March 2020 because oh. I'm on leave and yeah. I'm like, what the hell's going on back home? Why are everybody like, flipping Why's out everybody over freaking out? paper? Yeah, I'm like, I, don't, I don't understand. And then I fly back into Logan Airport on a Monday at 5 p.m. in his debt. There is nobody in that airport. There is nobody on the street. It is full on lockdown. I'm like, what did I just Whoa. come home to? Yeah. And then I was like, all right, this isn't this isn't going to let up soon. This isn't going to be like a two week thing. No, no. And then at the end of March, I was like, wait a minute. Do I still have this job? So I contacted the person and she legit pulled like a, a new phone. Who this? And I was like, no, no. We remember I called your personal cell phone. We <laughs> talked for like three hours. And, and yeah, oh, no, I'm so sorry that happened, and I apologize for laughing. But oh, no, it, it, yeah. it's funny. It's fucked yeah. up and funny at the same it time. Is. Yeah. yeah, she's like, "Well, good luck applying." I'm like, "Wow." Oh right. my gosh. Yeah, and, wow. and now, yep. So then I had to try to find a job, and I was very bad at it. Um, but it was also a terrible time to be looking for a job. The, the the hardest time ever to be looking yeah. for a job. I think the two hardest times I can think of to look for a job are right after that whole mess in 2008 where everything crashed and all the subprime lending, whatever, like almost everybody had job issues right at that time. And then lockdown job issues. Well, I also go back further in 2001, so 2001. Right September 11th, because I was in yeah. New York City. I just graduated NYU and there were a lot right. of graduates who had to like try to find work. But like in New York City, that was not easy. No, nobody. Because everybody nobody. wanted to give preference to everybody who worked in the World Trade Center. So, right. yeah, try yeah. to give them a new a new yep. position if they were. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, right. So oh now I, here I am, you know, April 2020, thinking, all right, I'm gonna get a job in tech. Like, I'm gonna really like the the amount of hours I spent trying to get a job is ridiculous. It's I've never worked harder than anything in my life. And then I'm like, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. My last day in the military is August 1st. I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be well, fine. Yeah, that's plenty far out. Plenty. Nope. No. Nope. Uh -huh. And as I got to July, I had to come to Jesus moment. I'm like, bitch, you may be unemployed. Yeah. Better you be can pull back your it. paperwork and stay in the military for, and I was going to have to do it for another um, three years at that point because mm -hmm. of where they would send me. And then what I would owe them for where they were sending me. Right. So I was like, oh, if I do that, then I have to delay this. And then, and I really thought about it. I'm like, this is not what you want to do though. This is really right. not what you want to do. You can stay safe and making really good money. Cause I just gotten promoted. The, the mm -hmm. civilian equivalent was about $150,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you know what? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And I decided to leave unemployed. And, um, that was an interesting choice. Uh, and I, I still panic though. So I, like, oh, I would out. be oh. shitting my pants. <laughs> so, on August 2nd. Right. So I'm like starting off a new year of my life unemployed. That's yeah. awesome you know and wow wow I was Yay, a happy birthday <laughs> right yeah yeah 
Hey Optimizer, ever have one of those weeks where you work super hard, barely get to take any breaks, and then when you finally cross one thing off the to-do list, five more items get added to the bottom and it is wearing you out. If that sounds familiar, try my new mini course, Calm the Chaos in 15 Days. Visit CamilleDiaz.com 15 to have some of my best chaos calming optimization tips delivered right to your inbox. That's CamilleDiaz.com 15. And then I was applying for jobs that I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to work in tech. That's going to be too hard to get into. But I'm like, there was a lot of regulatory compliance and bank investigations. And I'm like, I did a crap ton of investigations. Let me do that. And um, I'm applying and I still, I couldn't get an interview. I was not even getting interviews. And I was like, gosh, this is just killing me. And then I was doing a transitional thing, um, a, a transitional program. And they were a little off kilter. They weren't the normal army to civilian tradition uh, transition. Yeah. They're, yeah. they were like, let's find your purpose. Let's read, you know, let's quote from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I'm like, what yeah. is this? It was odd. Okay. And I wound up writing what I wanted to do. And that, you know, my five-year vision and like, you have to be very specific. I'm like, I'm a subject matter expert and disaster preparedness and emergency management for businesses and I'm doing this and I'm seen as an expert and blah, blah, blah with the next five years. Mm-hmm. And I still kept applying to these legal jobs though. And the more frustrated I got. <laughs> so you're writing out your what your like life purpose is and then you're still applying to stuff that doesn't match. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, six weeks after, I have to back up slides, but six weeks after I got out of the military and was unemployed, now you've uh, been actually, saving, right? Because you said you were putting yeah. money away, all the extra oh, yeah. cushion. So you, yeah, yeah. so you weren't like starving. I've got to go work at a at a minimum wage, to correct? Pay rent type of correct. thing. You, yeah. Okay. Because well, disaster also, preparedness, also, like, seems like you would have been kind of ready. Well, it also helped that I moved back home to New York City, and ah. um, a month after uh, I I left, and it was my best friend. He let me move into his apartment for free. He's like, don't worry about it. Just stay in this bedroom. Because he's like, you can't move into your parents' house. You need to be a borough away, right? Because my parents are in Staten Island. And I was like, all right. My dad, was he was getting dialysis three times a week at that point. And they're like, you really don't want to be around somebody who's sick. That's... And there's still COVID, right? Because it's 2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. Um, and then uh, a few weeks after that, my dad died unexpectedly. Like, mm. um, he, he missed two of his dialysis appointments. He wasn't feeling well. And then my mom found him on the floor. He had too much potassium in the system, basically, oh because the dialysis didn't take it out. At the same day, I was starting PTSD therapy from some stuff I had happened in the military. So I was like, if I was working, right, doing the job that I thought I wanted, I would not have been able to take care of myself or take care of the estate for my mom. I wasn't supposed to, but I she was the executor. Like that was going to happen. Yeah, like, no, she just found him. You know, all of yeah. a sudden, no, there's no way she's going to be in a state to be able to do that. No, so I did. I was able to do all that, and then I was still frustrated. And somebody even got me an interview to do some kind of legal thing. He's like, well, can you take a step down? And I'm like, I don't care. Sure. I'll take a step down. And work I'm unemployed. Step. Any step is a step up. <laughs> right. Right. And then, then he's, then he was like, Erica, can I ask you a question? I said, he goes, no, you did a really good interview. They didn't pick me. I was like, yeah, that's fine. He goes, you did really good. Do you want to do this? Like without thinking, what do you want to do? I said, help businesses be prepared for disasters. He's like, then fucking do that. Stop applying for legal jobs. You asshole. And I was like, you're right. And I thought about that thing that I wrote. I'm like, why am I doing this? This is not yeah. what I want to do. And I had for a long time been the person who does what she wants to do. Like that doesn't make sense to other people. And I was really emboldened when I was younger 
when I had a um, gentleman who was changing my watch battery for me. He was listening to me be stressed out about, you know, I got into NYU, which is my dream school. And then I had these other schools I got into who gave me full scholarships. I did not get a full scholarship at NYU. And I was like, well, I don't know. Should I go to this one? Should I do this and this and that? And he's just listening. And at the end of fixing my watch and my end of my tirade, because I was a senior in high school, he was like, yeah. you know, there's no such thing as the last train leaving town. Colonel Sanders invented the recipe for KFC when he was in his 60s. Have a good day. And what, whatever, like that instantly made me feel lighter. And I'm like, I can keep changing my mind. Because my parents were both blue collar family people. It's like they, you, you pick one job, you stick with it, you get your pension and then you yeah. retire. Yeah. And I was like, that, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Like, I'm okay with continually changing my mind. And I've done that. So now I have this epiphany. It's like, all right, stop applying for jobs you don't want. Well, because, yeah. And that's why you're not getting interviews. Like the universe is blocking you. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 honey. No, no, stop. Like go, okay. What's going to make you feel worse about yourself until you start doing what you need to do. Yeah. And everyone at the job is going to pick up on like, she sounds qualified, but I don't think her heart's in this. And I don't think I want to work with her because she doesn't seem like she wants it. So yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. And there's other people who did want it. And I'm like, right. you know what? Yes, they deserve the job. Let them get that. And then I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do this business thing. And um, I reached out to the woman who ran the program, the transition program I did. And she was like, you know, the first time I met you, I thought you were going to be a business owner and entrepreneur. When you mentioned that you wanted to work for other people, I was like, hmm, interesting. I was like, so she's like, I saw it. I was like, there's no way that this woman is not going to have her own company. So yeah. she told me about this program at Syracuse University that gives free entrepreneurial classes for veterans. And it was an eight week program where I went to basically entrepreneurial boot camp. And every week was a plank in your business plan. And I was like, so I wrote it. I was like, whoa. And then I'm like, now what? What do I do, do now? <laughs> I got to incorporate, I guess. Okay. You know? and, and then I would drag my feet a little bit. I think I was afraid of actually becoming an entrepreneur. I was afraid of actually stepping out and doing this thing. And I was financially secure too. Like I was good. Um, yeah. But it's I, really hard, especially when you don't have an example to follow. When you right. had, you know, when your whole family has done the, I get a job and I work there forever and yep. that's what I do thing. Yes. Uh, I ran into that too, because that's where my family was and that's where the expectation for me was. And all of the, you know, I, I studied biology in school and they're like, oh, great. Are you going to work in a lab? I don't, I don't think so. And then, you know, oh, you should be a teacher. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, like, cause I just saw teacher as I'm totally a teacher. That's all I do. That's mm -hmm. what coaching is. That's what the financial education is. Like I teach all the time, but I was, I was like, no, because I could only see that, you know, yeah. teacher in front of my third grade classroom thing. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I want that. And it, it but it's very hard to go outside of that box when mm -hmm. everybody you know is like just get a job and do the thing why yeah. can't you cooperate you know all right. times, why can't you cooperate get a job and do the thing so yeah it's it's definitely scary yeah and then um when i was like people like i can't believe you're struggling to find work one guy who i had a contact with he was a dean of a very big school and he was like i would love to have you teach intro emergency management for my for our graduate program and i went okay and he's like, but I really want a certificate in emergency management. So you're going to do four classes total. It's going to be your baby. So you can do the first one, you can do the second one, and then we'll worry about the third and fourth one later. But you're going to be an absolute hit your first one and then your second one. And I'm like, uh, okay. And so then I, you know, he helped me significantly um, with how I'm like, give me your sample, like syllabus. I don't know how to write a syllabus from scratch. Like, right. so I spent months doing this and he's like, yeah, the, the board will prove us. You know, they'll prove anything I say and blah, blah, blah. No, the board did not approve it. 
they were like, we're not interested in emergency management. I'm like, do you know where you're located? Do you really, you don't think emergency management is important? Okay. And I was pissed. So I spent all this time making something yeah. that didn't turn into anything. So I had moved to El Paso, Texas with my then boyfriend. And I was like, Did you move for him or was this a joint decision? Um, follow me, column B. I mean, because we were doing long distance. And then yeah. I'm like, I don't have work. Nothing is keeping me in New York. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. gotcha. So yeah. I can I can search for jobs anywhere. Right, so right, right. I decided to move. And um, I actually really liked El Paso. Yeah. And when I was sitting there one day, I was, I was like, wait, do they, they have a college here, don't they? Do they have an MPA program? They do. Oh. Who's the director? I'm like, let me just reach out and be like, hi, I have an emergency management class I wrote. Do you want it? And uh, for me specifically to teach, he's like, I would love that. So all of a sudden, nice. I'm a graduate professor, right? That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. And and that tied into so many wonderful things because it also bolstered my credentials for being oh, yeah. a preparedness, resiliency person. Like, yeah. well, I teach graduate students. Of course, I'm a subject matter expert. Right. And when I was teaching my students, I also, like, I finally incorporated, but I was quiet about incorporating. I incorporated on the anniversary of my dad's death because I wanted it to be a happy anniversary and something he'd be really proud of. And then I sat on it, like patting myself in the back. You did it, girl. Good job. And then that one done. Yay. <laughs> I didn't do dick with it. I just let it sit. Yeah. And then somebody's like, Hey, can you like give a talk about something like related to, you know, supply chain management and business continuity? I was like, sure can. Yep. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Now I got to like actually advertise. So the first time I put myself on LinkedIn as a business owner was January 2021. And I incorporated in September of, uh, no, the January 2022, I incorporated September 21. Okay. So like months later, I was hiding yeah. it. And then I like made a landing page. And then um, someone was like, hey, if you want to increase your eminence in the field, you should write a book. And I'm yeah. like, okay. And it's like, you need to get case studies. You can get into the Harvard Business Review and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate his advice. He was, he's an amazing person. He was a great mentor, but it didn't fit. It didn't yeah. fit. I didn't feel it in me. I was yeah. like, maybe I'll write a book, but I don't want to do that. Mm. And then at the same time, my students had, I just finished teaching my first full semester and I'd given so many trainings in my military career. Yeah. I never sustained a semester for 16 weeks. So then at the end of it, we were talking and they were like, we love you as a professor because you don't talk like a professor. I'm like, I think that's a compliment they're like no 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 like it you is. don't talk in theory like you talk like a real person I'm like yeah that's how I want to write my book yeah because I was doing some research on it and like the only other books on business continuity out there are written by professionals for professionals they're very academic and there's even a business continuity for dummies nobody's buying that book because it's got 90 reviews on Amazon now that is the most popular series in the world blank for dummies right and nobody's buying this book wow I was like, okay so then I decided to write it the way I talk and to use, and something I was very good at as a lawyer is explaining to my clients in very lay terms, what was going on because yeah. I needed them to be on board. I wanted yeah. them to understand. also wanted them to help me be active participants. And if they understood, then they were able to, you know, they can help. Make my, yes. They can make my work lighter. Yeah. And I am a very yes. big on, like, I want to work smarter, not harder. You right. Know? Right. That was another moment where I did what, made sense to me and not everybody yeah. else yeah and it's weird when you write a book because although I was a professor and also I write a book it's like I became christened with some extra special power mm -hmm. but that mm -hmm. like all of a sudden like you know everything now 
And the, the conferences I'm getting invited to speak at, like I wasn't even asking, like I'm getting people reaching out to me and I'm like, is going on how is this happening and yeah. then i realized that was the wrong way to think about it it's not how is this happening it's like well, of course how of is this, course not this happening? is happening of course it is yeah of course it obviously is. i you, am a subject you, matter expert. you're a graduate professor subject matter expert you wrote a book on the topic the book is yep. something that people actually don't fall asleep reading and so therefore right. they're getting the information and it's helpful yep. yeah yeah i mean yeah. in my book i definitely made it very me because i love music so yeah. every chapter is a song title and the lyrics forecast the theme of the chapter. So it's like, okay, well, what kind of, and business continuity does not appear in the title of my book. Nice. So like many people can find this, right? Yeah. So I've got Rolling Stones, David Bowie, Wu-Tang Clan, U2, Nine Inch Nails, Foo Fighters. Like those are just some of the bands. Earth, Wind, That's Fire, so much fun. Right? Yeah. So, um, and I even made a, a Spotify playlist at the end of the book that you can link to so you can listen to the songs from all so the chapters. <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm going to link that in the show notes so that people okay. can find it. <laughs> I'll link your book, but I'm also going to link the playlist because that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's um yeah, I've just I was like, well, how how does music make sense? It doesn't. It makes sense to me. Yeah. Which make which makes my book very readable and enjoyable right. by the people who read it. You know, yeah. and that, I think that's the important thing that I, you know, I learned early on aside from there's no such thing as the last train leaving town. I have to, and I have for a very long time, march the beat of my own drummer in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. And it's never led me wrong. It's led me on some of the most amazing adventures. And even if it was like a hiccup, a stumble, whatever, I found my way back. Kind of like when I was applying for these legal jobs I didn't want to do. That was my hiccup and stumble. That was me feeling really lost. Yeah. And there was a lot to feel lost about in, in those weeks that I was trying. And it was like, okay, just stop trying so hard. It's not for you. It's not for you because it's not you. It is not who you are. It's not who you're meant to be. It's not the direction you're headed to. There's other things you want to do. Let's get on that instead. Yes. I love this message. Thank you. I, I feel like I try to do the same thing and try to get others to do the same thing. It's like, if you just do you and keep on going on the thing you know is the right thing for you, it's going to work out. Like it's going to work out. So yeah, it will. Because people are going to find your passion. Because, you know, 2020, I already had this. I'm like, I'm getting out, right? And I still had the idea that I wanted to make this company that I had since 2016 to have people have pay me to tell them how wrong they are. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. There's a pandemic. Now business continuity is all over the place. And it was. And Great. I was people like, know about you. Right. And I was like, shit, I'm late to the party because everybody's doing this in 2020. And, I know about, and my buddy's like, Erica, you do know you're your product, right? It's you and the way you say things and your experience. It's you. And I went, oh, you're right. It is me. Nobody else is like me. I'm like, yeah. Which is why my company, EAS, is Erica as a service. It's my plan software as a service. Yeah. But so many people wanted to steal. Like, I love that company name. I want to be Ronald as a service. I'm like, you man, like, don't come up with your own great idea. Do your own thing. Stop copying my thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, it is you and it's, it's so great that, and, and I figure whenever something like happens like that, like, oh my gosh, everybody's doing this, this thing now. Well, no, really the pandemic just made everyone think about what you do. Right. It was like the best advertising you could possibly have. Because mm -hmm. before that people are like, eh, I don't think anything's going to happen. And after that, you're like, Hey, remember that thing that happened? And they're like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think the, the important me. thing, I didn't in the moment say, okay, I'm taking this path and it's all going to work out. And it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. I can see it now looking like, okay, you know, I needed all this to happen. I needed for it to turn out this way. 
And based on that, I keep reminding myself, if you trust, it will, because it always has. It has always worked out. I have a pattern of it's always working out when I trust and go in the direction I'm meant to go in at that time. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, you're listening all the way to the end? That is awesome. I don't like to half-ass things either. Sounds like we might get along well. Let's connect on social media. I'm at Cam Unfiltered. If you want to find out more about me first, you can visit my website, CamilleDiaz.com.